Welcome. I'm Amy Watson, a certified life after baby loss coach and mom to two babies in heaven. Join me as I show you how you can truly find yourself again. Together, let's knock up those rough, painful edges and learn to carry your grief so you can step forward into all this life has in store for you. This is the Smooth Stones Podcast. Welcome. We have a special guest today that I'm so excited about. Her name is Maisie Hill, and you are going to love her so much. And I know we're all going to learn so much together. So Maisie, will you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I, as you know, I'm just such a fan of your work and I'm just like really grateful for the community and the space that you have created for everyone here. And I'm just really thrilled to come along. So thank you for having me on. Um, so I'm Maisie Hill. I wrote a couple of books about hormones and the menstrual cycle. One's called period power. The second is called perimenopause power. I am a life coach like you, and I have a really extensive background in female reproductive health. So before I became a coach, I worked as an acupuncturist and a birth doula. So you know, for like 15, 20 years, all of my work was basically about wombs and ovaries and the impact of what they get up to on people and really looking after women and their families through, you know, reproductive life really in from cycle-based issues to fertility to losses and um, birth, postnatal stuff, all the way through to perimenopause. So I've, I've seen it all, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that. I love, I feel like you should write your life story. There's so much there. And you also have experienced a loss yourself. So the first question I always ask is, will you tell us about your baby's life, any memories of that pregnancy, and kind of a little bit about um, that little life that was with you briefly? Yeah. It was, I love that you asked this question because... I remember when Paul, my partner, and I went through that loss, we were very intentional that we didn't want how the pregnancy ended to take away from the experience of that pregnancy together. Um, and I'd forgotten all about that until you asked me that question. And we were just, it was amazing. Like, it was just such a great pregnancy. I was absolutely exhausted. I didn't have any nausea or anything though, which is quite unusual because the kind of um, the type of pregnancy I had usually results because you produce such high levels of hormones because it's an abnormal pregnancy. Um, I had a partial molar pregnancy for everyone listening. So that's when uh, two sperm fertilize one egg. So it's just genetically, um, it's not a viable pregnancy. And I think that was actually strangely helpful to me in the recovery afterwards. Usually you produce such high levels of hormones as a result of that type of pregnancy that you get really extreme nausea. That's kind of one of the signs that there's maybe something amiss. I didn't have that. 
And it was the, it was just such a relief to me to not have nausea in pregnancy because, you know, so many of my clients had had that over the years. But Paul and I just, it was really fun to be pregnant together. And, you know, I was just falling asleep at the drop of a hat in like random places. I would just fall asleep and he would be like taking these videos and photos of me um, for us to laugh at together. And I, I just enjoyed the bodily experience of it. And I felt really connected to myself. I felt just very connected. I think that that's how I would summarize it. Yeah. No, no. So beautiful. And I'm so sorry, you know, that that baby didn't get to stay, but, um, what, is there a lesson that you learned from going through this that maybe you could share? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think so many. I have to say I felt very equipped to go through a loss just because of my work. I kind of knew I knew the territory and that doesn't make it easier, but I knew how to care for myself in it and I knew how more importantly, I knew how to ask to be cared for in it. So, you know, after went through the miscarriage, I I went through like a really significant healing period afterwards. And so, you know, the first week I was just, I actually treated it, it, it like I had given birth and I did have a labor of sorts really, but in Chinese medicine, we talk about how a miscarriage or a pregnancy loss is more disruptive to your chi and your blood than going through um, a full-term pregnancy and giving birth without any issues. So I knew the importance of recovering, like really recovering and not just on a physical level, but an emotional level, a spiritual level. And so I just let myself fall apart that first week. I stayed in bed, you know, because as a doula, I would always say to my clients, oh, once you have your baby, you know, you could spend a week in the bed and then a week around the bed before you start kind of moving out of the house and that kind of thing. So I did that after the loss as well. And then I started to venture out, but I really, I took time off from my work. My partner got a week of compassionate leave as well from his employment. And, you know, I just really, I continued to let myself fall apart. I remember like once I felt physically strong enough, I signed up for a 30-day yoga practice. And it just meant that every day there was an hour in my day where I could fall apart on the mat in my practice. And I could cry and I could move through things. And, you know, I really, there's not many periods of my life where I've had like a really strong exercise or movement practice of any kind. But that was really invaluable to me once I felt strong enough for my body to do that. And so I think the lesson there for me has been, first of all, it's okay to fall apart. Second of all, you can keep falling apart. Even years later, you can still fall apart. And, and it's okay to do that. 
And I think if more people did that, you know, that would be a really beneficial thing. Yeah, I love it. I love what you said. Like you knew how to ask to be cared for and you allowed yourself to fall apart. And even that part where you're talking about you let yourself be in bed, like maybe people listening didn't give themselves that kind of care, but why not do it now? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's never too late. It's never too late to do it. Yeah. Those are beautiful lessons. And I think those will really be helpful. Thank you. So you kind of touched on this, but we have a belief and maybe it's different in different places, but I feel like in the West, we kind of have this belief that when you, a baby dies, it just kind of disappears. But we know that isn't the case. So will you explain kind of what happens to our hormones after a loss? I don't know if it's different, like earlier on or later, hmm. but it is postpartum. So what is going on in that stage? Yeah, this is, yeah, I'd forgotten about my personal experience of this, but that was also, it was a really wild experience because, so I'll talk about, um, maybe I'll share my experience yeah. first and we can use that as a way to talk about kind of the, the journey that happens because it is going to vary depending on um, an individual's experience and there's lots of lots of other factors beyond hormones as well like amount of blood loss and things like that as well like that can really knock people's recovery if if women's lost a lot of blood um but that wasn't the case for me but because I'd gone through um a labor I had this like crazy high afterwards like immediately after, like I was just elated. And I've never heard anyone else talk about that before. So even though there was the devastation and the heartbreak and everything else, the grief, at the same time, I felt elated, like had that post-birth rush of hormones and oxytocin that is so important when it comes to bonding with your baby. But I didn't have a baby to put that onto. I mean, I did, but I, I, I didn't. And I, the duality of those things all at once was so intense and just so unusual. I, I've never had an experience like it since. I don't imagine I will, but just that having that all together there aren't there aren't words for it and I was just like we got to get out of the hospital like I, I I don't want to be here I've just gone through this at the time tra very traumatic experience it doesn't feel traumatic to me now but at the time it was and I, but I felt elated after because of all the hormones and I was just like we've got to get out of here like this is why would we be here when I'm feeling like this? And, you know, we got home and I just, I just felt so good, but I didn't have a, a baby. And, you know, I, I had Paul, my partner. So, you know, we hugged and we kissed and that oxytocin could, could come through. And then after that, you know, it's just the crash and into what women after they've 
given birth, I usually say, you know, like between days two to four, typically there's like a hormonal crash and all the hormones that you had during the pregnancy are just moving on through you and coming out. And, you know, that's when people can be quite teary, be struggling, like those kinds of things. So I had that, but I knew that's what was going on. And that kind of made it, I could navigate it because I, I knew physiologically what was going on. So in pregnancy, very high levels of hormones. And then after you give birth or after a loss, those plummet off. And then you're in, you've gone through that kind of acute initial phase. And then it's the, the recovery and the coming out of that. And that's, as I said, going to, going to vary so much. I have some clients for whom they start ovulating pretty much right away and just go back into a menstrual cycle. For others, it can take several months, sometimes even longer for their cycle to return. Um, so there's lots of individual factors there. But it's, um, I'm thinking back to my experience. <clears throat> you know, my cycle just came back straight away. And so it's like a, it feels good because it feels, I think it's, after you've had a loss, it's reassuring in some level, like you, you have your cycle back, like you're not broken. Because I think there's always a kind of slight concern that something's gone wrong, therefore something else might also go wrong. But also, this is of course not what you wanted. So again, the duality of, of both of those things. Yeah. And I think later on, so I help when people have had a stillbirth and even second trimester, your milk's going to come in. There's like all the things happening in your body, like as if you had a baby and, but you don't. And so I think that can be a really big surprise. And I love how you said like you already knew this. And so it really helped you. So I think just learning about our bodies and what happens, and I have to say, like, your book is amazing to explain that. It's amazingly written. Like, there's a lot of science in there, and then there's a lot of how to apply it and, um, like, use it in your, your daily life or wherever you are in your cycle or pregnancy loss and pregnancy after loss. But, but yeah, I think just even acknowledging that there's a lot going on with your hormones and your graving. Yeah. Um, so what's maybe one thing you would say to someone who, you know, I think most of the people listening have already, like, we've been through it. So maybe looking back saying, I did not handle that very well. Like, I was just kind of a mess with it. What would you say to someone who just really struggled um, to manage how they're feeling and reacting in that that time period? You just got to give yourself so much grace. We really do. I mean, we all know what it's like because we've all gone through it, right? But it's incredibly challenging to go through in so many ways. I think far more ways than we maybe realize or would expect when you're on the other side of it, when it hasn't happened to you. But when I think back, I mean, hmm. I think for me, and this is kind of quite unique to my relationship with my partner, but because I know all this stuff, 
and like and it's my experience i think there were there were places where we missed the care that he could have done with and that he did a really fantastic job of creating a safe space for me to fall apart and supporting me but i don't think that he had that in the way that he would have liked to have had it right and that's something that i've heard quite a few men talk about is that the the impact on them and i think it's only just starting to become a conversation certainly in the communities um that we're in where men are actually talking about that and and sharing things and you know creating those communities for themselves as well yeah and i've seen a few like there's a few new podcasts a few new things happening for men and i i love it cuz it is so needed um but i love that always self compassion right always just trusting that you did the best you could in a tough situation like it's physically difficult and it's emotionally difficult and yeah and you got all the hormones going on as well and the grief and you know you're just trying to do your best in a really challenging time and we don't need to add layers of judgment and criticism on top of that yeah and i wanted to touch back on something you said about how getting your period back was kind of comforting to you but for some people that really is traumatic almost like that blood and that you know all these parts of our body um it can be traumatizing and like month after month so what are some ways that we can take care of ourselves if our period is a trigger oh i love that question so where my brain immediately goes to is like how can we make this as easy as possible okay and so there might be well now i'm thinking about it i had a for many years earlier on in my life and it's kind of what really brought me to the work that i do um i had a long history with really extreme period pain like completely debilitating and i did various things and you know the period pain stopped um, amazing but i do remember the that first period and like the physical sensation of it right because i remember when i was starting to think there might be something going on with the pregnancy it's like i can feel my abdomen in a different way and i was like trying to figure out what was going on and it was kind of that sensation of when a period is starting and so i remember when then after the loss with um with my first period like feeling that activity in my abdomen and like feeling the period beginning and it quite naturally taking me back to the experience of the miscarriage and i just thought well i'm just going to take painkillers i i don't need to there isn't enough pain it's not painful but I'm not ready to experience the physicality of this period. So I'm going to take painkillers even if I don't need them for the physical pain. I I that's going to create a bit of a buffer zone for me to give me the distance that I need from this right now. So 
um, that. And I think you can think about, like, like you said, if it's the blood that is uh, challenging to see, then you can think about with the blood loss, sometimes the, the visual of that or the sensation is there. And I think, you know, maybe the products that you would usually use around the time that you have your period, maybe you want to change that so that, you know, it's just whatever accommodations you can make, even if there's a part of you saying, oh, I don't actually need this. So I will, maybe you do. Maybe not in the way that you might think you do, but maybe it's okay to do that and just make it as easy as possible. I think also appreciate that when your period is starting, you know, often that's the point in the cycle that if you are uh, wanting to conceive or you're actively trying to conceive again, that that's the point and the same point in the cycle that your period is starting is also the time in the cycle that you would find out if you were pregnant. And so there's the challenge of that. And, and at that time, your hormones are very low because the signal for your period to start is that hormone levels plummet towards the sec- end of the second half of your cycle. And there's an emotional impact, a physical impact of that as well. And so that is the time of the cycle. Um, and, you know, from my book, I refer to it as the inner winter when we feel often the most vulnerable and exposed and raw and tender. And that's when all our stuff comes up, even when you haven't had a loss and you haven't had experiences like this. And so after a loss, quite naturally, this is the, this is the part where all, it's all going to be coming up. And, you know, maybe this is the point where you hope that you are pregnant and maybe you're waiting for that so I think compassion around that time as well and and if that was me now going through that that's definitely a time in the cycle where I'd try and give myself as much space as I can knowing that that's when there's low hormones when you're maybe going to feel more teary and have this stuff come up and just it's like going into hibernation mode, you know, and like maybe that's the time to just get on the sofa with a soft blanket and ease up on aspects of life as much as possible. And I just really love putting on Grey's Anatomy because <laughs> like it either makes me laugh or it makes me cry, but it's like a great vehicle for me to release you know, when to cry and sometimes we might have a sense of really wanting to cry and to let go and have that release, but not be able to find our way into that. And so that's when I think, you know, a movie or a TV series that's going to help get things moving a bit is going to be really supportive. And chocolate as well, all the chocolate. Yes, I I highly recommend the chocolate too. And I, so mine is, I have a playlist of like, 90s sad country songs of that's my go-to if I need to have a good cry then I just like I know the songs that I need yeah um well I really like that and kind of as we finish up I could talk to you forever but you do compare our cycle to seasons like spring summer autumn and winter um could you give us like a 
one minute description of those seasons. And then I have one last question kind of about the autumn winter part. Yeah, I would love to. So um, basically the the seasons of your cycle aren't set points. This is really important to remember. They're going to vary depending on what your cycle's like, your experience of your cycle. And really the way to get to know yours is by tracking your cycle and how you feel, like things that feel easy to you, things that feel hard, shifts in energy, behavior, that kind of thing. And the time of your winter is around the time your period is starting um, until around the time that your period is ending, kind of within that range. And this is a time, you know, to recalibrate, to rest, if that's what you feel inclined to do. I think it's also a time to, to really connect with our purpose and anything we feel called to do here and to, it's like both a, an inner a retreat of sorts. And this is what, you know, a lot of my clients have told me, like, oh, I just kind of want to go into myself or be left on my own or, you know, those kinds of things. But at the same time, it can be quite an expansive time as well. And kind of, I don't know, I think there's something about those low hormones that really opens us up and can create quite a spiritual experience as well for some people. And once we come out of the period, then we're going into the inner spring. And this is when hormones are really starting to pick up. So we go from having low hormones to they start to increase. And that's typically, not always, but typically associated with an increase in energy and mood and kind of life feels a bit more doable again, right? After the period's ended and it's like, okay, I'm back. I'm back in the zone. I'm back to life. And then the closer we get to ovulation, the more those hormones increase. And so ovulation is the inner summer. This is when we have the double whammy of estrogen and testosterone. And I love that time in the cycle. If you can't, if you can't hear the smile on my face as I talk about this, this part, because this is where we often feel the most confident, the most capable. We have an increase um, in desires of all kinds. We are often more chatty and social and like wanting to be out in the world. And then at some point after ovulation, this is going to vary, but our, our hormones immediately after ovulation drop. For some people, they don't really notice a difference in how they feel. For some people, it's like they feel really tired after they ovulate and it kind of takes a while to, to kind of, for things to pick up again. But basically the week to two weeks before your period starts again is when you're in your inner autumn. I was going to say fall, but I love, you said autumn, so we can go with the best. Um, and this is, I think it's the season that can vary the most. Um, some people feel like more wild and more free. Other people for, feel like more internal, less inclined to want to be out in the world and kind of more happy to just chill out at home. Um, but as I said, there's no, um, there's no right way to have an experience of your cycle. It's just what your experience is like. And of course, after a miscarriage or loss of some kind, then you may have a very different experience of your cycle, either in the short term or the long term and in beautiful ways and in challenging ways as well. 
Yeah, I think the most important part is that we're aware of it and there's different things we can do in each season when we kind of are noticing it. It's like, when do I want to set goals? When do I want to curl up on the couch? When, you know, all of those things, just being aware of your cycle and knowing more about it. I think it's freeing. Very. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's my experience too. It's, um, a really underrated tool and it's so incredible watching people, you know, get to know theirs and, um, and really using it to your advantage because I mean, I'm 42 now and the last few years, my cycle's gone from being very regular kind of classic 28 days textbook cycle to sometimes it's 22, sometimes it's 26. And so it's kind of less predictable in length than it used to be, but I still really know my cycle and I know, for instance, my sensory experience of the world is very different in the second half of the cycle compared to the first half of the cycle. And so, um, there's certain things that I will set up to do in the parts of my cycle where I feel most able to do them. And there are things that there's just no way I will do them if they fall in the second half of my cycle or I will do them, but with certain things in place to help me to be able to do them. So I always talk about how working with your cycle like this is like getting a weather report. It gives you a really good idea. It's not necessarily 100% accurate. We need to leave room for experience on the day. But there are some days and if it's just chucking it down with rain, then you might just say, hey, I'm going to cancel my plans for the day. I'm going to stay inside. But most of the time we just kind of need to crack on with life, but we just wear the appropriate things and we put on wellies and raincoats and hats and scarves and we just get on with it. And the same is true with your cycle. There might be days where you just think, oh, no. I'm just going to shut the door. I'm going to stay inside. And that's perfect for me today. But there's also times where you might just think, oh, well, I've got that meeting or I have this thing to do. What are the things I need to put in place to support my experience of that? And that might be making sure that you eat regularly enough. Um, It can be communicating with the people that you work with or your romantic partner. There's so many things that that can be done and so i think it's just a really great thing to be aware of and to use in life yeah and i love how you like you're so i don't know what the word is but this is just a part of you this is a part of your life it's a part of your language but i think what's most powerful about what you just said is it's okay to give ourselves permission to adjust our life based on our cycle yeah. because we're in this, I mean, man's world where it's like every day should be the same. And if it's a Monday, we do this. And if it's, a, you know, the weekend, we do this. And it's like, what if you just kind of allow yourself to work with your body and take care of yourself the yeah. way you need to be taken care of? Yeah. And I think it, it really creates such a compassionate relationship with ourselves because we're tending to our needs and really just being loving and kind to ourselves because 
it doesn't help anyone to be like, well, last week I felt like this. Why can't I feel like that today? It's like, yeah, but you don't. <laughs> so <laughs> why don't we just get on board with that whilst also using all the tools that, that you use in your work um, and I use in my work to, um, you know, make decisions about how we want to do things. And sometimes that's about, you know, changing our thoughts and uh, creating different emotions. And then sometimes it'll be like, no, I'm going to be in this emotion. I do not want to change this. I'm just going to feel this. And that's how today's going. Yeah. Love it. Okay. I can't let you go without asking because I feel like, so you'd say like, the autumn, the fall is basically what a lot of people call PMS, right? That Yes. Right? So for me, and I think maybe for a lot of people, it's when I feel most like giving up. Um, my mm -hmm. partner's breathing is like, really? Oh. Like, should I even be like with this person? Um, nothing's working. And it, it can be really difficult. So then you add like wherever you are in your grief and how long it's been I mean we've talked about a lot of it but how do we navigate this and what are maybe some of the pros and cons of this part of our cycle that I think most people would say this is the most challenging part but it also has some good things that you've shared yeah okay this is such a juicy topic I love it okay so first of all I think it's helpful to understand like the the physiological reasons for this so if you think in the first half of the cycle, when you're fertile, your hormones are trying to get you out in the world to find a mate, to have sex and reproduce. Whereas in the second half of your cycle, your hormones want to keep you safe in case pregnancy has occurred, whether you're actively trying or, you know, it, even someone who isn't in a relationship and doesn't want to conceive will still experience this in some way which is why we're more prone to want to stay at home and, you know, our hormones make our digestion slow down because it gives the body more opportunity to extract nutrients that would support a pregnancy. So there's all these like nuanced ways that our hormones support us. But with that, it's like you're more likely to see a threat or not see an actual threat. It can mean that, but to perceive threats in your environment, right? And as you know, I'm autistic, so my I have a very heightened sensory experience of the world. And anyone eating near me after ovulation, like I really perceive them as a threat. Like my fight or flight response gets triggered so much. And you know, now I just have things set up where I'm like, you know what, you guys eat here, I'm going to go eat over here or like, oh, just do that. And But I have no problem doing that. I don't make it mean anything and my family don't make it mean anything either. But there's, it's like in the run up to ovulation when we're in that fertile window, it's like the, everything's amazing. You know, we've just got those rose tinted glasses on and we're just looking at our partners like, he's the best and oh this is amazing that this is happening in my life and like everything's just hunky-dory and then in the second half of the cycle it's like we, we're picking up on every single detail in our environment and like there's the pile at the bottom of the stairs and this that hasn't been done properly and why are those dishes still there and da -da -da. we just see all the faults in people in ourselves 
and in our environment. But this is just your hormones, like taking stock of what's going on around and trying to keep you safe. You're like, oh no, that's the threat. We've got to deal with that. But I think, again, once we know this, we can be like, oh, that's why that's going on. But it's the phrase that the or term that comes to mind is non-negotiable, right? There's just our tolerance goes down, but that can be a good thing because as women, we're typically socialized to put up with a lot, right? And to do a lot of the unpaid labor and the emotional labor. And so there's a great deal that we're maybe tolerating all the time and finding ways to make it okay all the time and people pleasing and lack of boundaries and all of those things. And then we have this like powerful time in the cycle where the body just goes, no, that is not okay. You need to do this. This needs to change. And it's like a fire and it can really feel like that in us. It can be this red hot rage or other ways it can show up. It's like a simmering resentment and frustration. And I have learned in my work to really see that as an opportunity to look at what's working in my life, what isn't. What are the things I'm really happy with? What do I want to change? And I think the more we can get comfortable with the discomfort of that, right? Because on one hand, it's like, oh, yeah, I want to know what what I'm into and what I'm not into and I want to make these changes. But often that is challenging to recognize and to fully sit with. And this is why life coaching is so fabulous is because it can, you know, help you to honor that and to uh, work through things and initiate any changes. So as I've got older, I like learned to wield, you know, this part of the cycle and really use it. But I think for for many women, it's particularly challenging because there's a lot of negative connotations about being that way and saying those things. And so, again, it's also a good opportunity to unwind our socialization there. So it can be really fun. It might feel like really, really big and really intense, but I think there's ways to to work with it and even to be lighthearted and and humorous with it too. Thank you for sure. Just so much information in that season of our life. Like you said, that we're sometimes just pushing it down and it's, it's okay to be honest and really look at what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Maisie, will you tell us where we can find you? Yeah. And just thank you so much for for having me on. This has just been such a great conversation to have. And I feel like we could talk for hours about all of the things. So thank you. Um, my website is maisiehill.com. That's M-A-I-S-I-E. And I'm on Instagram as underscore maisiehill underscore. Um, and I have a podcast called The Maisie Hill Experience, which you actually helped me to name. So I have to give you props for that. Yes, rename. You're welcome. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It is an experience. And I think everyone who's here listening to you is like, 
has had an experience. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, that's true. Wisdom. I appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you so much. Are you tired of feeling like your baby's death was somehow your fault? Go to smoothstonescoaching.com and get my free mini course, How to Stop Blaming Yourself After Loss.